Welcome to A Handful of Hope, where we bring you heart-to-heart conversations with heart-centered people. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of A Handful of Hope. I'm so happy and grateful to have Sarah Macros with here, us here today, who is a career success coach who helps senior executives, C-suites, and entrepreneurs build memorable personal brands so they can attract their dream role where they are recognized for their knowledge and expertise. She has more than 20 years corporate affairs working for some of Australia's most well-known brands and high-profile CEOs and directors and knows what it takes to stand out in your industry as a credible leader and break through to the next level. Today, Sarah uses her knowledge and her own experience creating a business and personal brand to successfully coach her local and international clients. Sarah, welcome and thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Yes. And we were telling, so just a lot of listeners here in the U.S., Sarah's in Melbourne and Mm -hmm. Melbourne is now officially COVID free as of this recording, February 25th, 2021. (laughs) Yeah. So folks... Stay in there. There is hope. Light is at the end of the tunnel. Sarah, what's it like to go back to normal? Oh, it's wonderful. It's just wonderful. It was. Um, we had a big lockdown. In fact, I think Australia was um, one of the one of the. Har- oh, sorry, Melbourne was one of the harshest, along with Wuhan, <laughs> um, in terms of lockdowns. We were locked in for about three months and couldn't leave our house for more than an hour. We had five k walk around. You know, around you. You couldn't go further than five k's. Um, but then when it slowly started coming back to normal. It was just so nice to go to a restaurant and um, go to watch the kids play sport, all these things that you just take, take for granted. And, uh, but then also, I suppose, along comes with that is all the busyness that comes with it too. So <laughs> I was reflecting yesterday thinking, God, it was nice when we had that time to just be at home and no pressure. It's like a big pause in life. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but it is nice to get back to normal as well. Do you find that you are appreciating appreciating aspects of human interaction in a way that you didn't before yeah definitely um i would i think particularly um with my children that's been really nice and um and just seeing i think the other thing that i've really appreciated is that really you actually get to see a lot more of people like when you don't when you don't have to go through the whole busy, busy meeting, 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 and you actually get to see people. I know it might sound a bit funny with Zoom meetings, but you actually do get to see the real person a bit more. People, you know, they don't feel like they have to put makeup on or dress up as much. Or So I definitely um, appreciated kind of getting a bit deeper with people. And I've noticed that, that, that you, my group particularly, I feel like my group's got smaller because they've got more deeper relationships. Mm. I have to ask, how is, have you, how is hugging now? I feel like the hugging okay. thing, oh my God. we have, it I, it's, it's such a funny thing. Like it, it's, I ran into a friend who I hadn't seen since this whole thing about, I don't know how many days ago it was in passing, but I hadn't seen her since last year and yeah. I, I'm a hugger and I wanted to hug, but then there's this yeah. awkward, like, Oh, are you hugging? Are you not hugging? Like, what are we, what are we supposed to do kind of thing? What is it like to be able to go back to hugs again? It's really, really nice. And I think I felt that too with my mom. My, my mom um, had a brain tumor about five years ago and she's been in remission. Um, but I was, I wanted to hug her so much when I did see her um, during the sort of lockdown phase. And then when I, and then I feel like, oh gosh, I shouldn't, I shouldn't. But now I just feel like, yeah, big hugs. So yeah, no, it's a really good feeling. And it's, 
it's really nice not to have to do that. Oh, do I, don't I? Yeah. Just feel like you do what, whatever you feel like doing now. It's a really good feeling. Yeah, it is. It's such a strange thing. It's, it's like you're, <laughs> you're going through this whole thing and you can feel your body wanting to do something and then your mind's going <laughs> through this other thing. And then but the funny thing is, is you look at the other person and they have this weird look on their face and you're thinking, well, that must be how I'm looking right now. It was the way they're <laughs> looking at me. <laughs> yeah that's so true that was definitely one of the weirdest things although people are still doing that and i think it happens too i've noticed it happen a lot with the handshake even people are still like oh is that still still allowed or yeah yeah <laughs> quickly we've changed yes i when we had outdoor dining open back up not that long ago i'd gone for a walk with a friend and oftentimes we'll get a beer at the end of the walk and ran into someone who i hadn't seen in a very long time and he like stands up and comes over to shake my hand. So then I go to shake his hand. I was, oh wait, we're not supposed to shake hands. And he realized it. And so then he goes to give me a fist bump. And then I was like, oh, fist bump's <laughs> awkward. So then I have my cup in my hand. So I go to cheers him instead. <laughs> you know, it's just it's 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 the funniest thing. It's like a dance, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's it is like that. It's like back to when you were kids and you had those awkward times at school dances and you're sitting over there and there's one on one side and should I go over there and you're kind of awkwardly moving and <laughs> it, it feels like that in a way. Yeah. It's so true. They'll do some some research on us, you know, in a hundred years and think they had this weird way of interacting. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Sarah, I know when you and I had talked beforehand and you were telling me about this really cool process that you walk some of your clients through about helping them really uncover their life story. I, I yeah. wonder if you might you might touch on that a little bit because I think it's sure. such a beautiful journey that it sounded like you lay out for them. I do. And I think uh, it's funny when I do this with my clients, every one is so different and so unique. And I learn something fascinating about each one of them. And um, even the ones who think they're really boring, they're never boring. But um, so basically I get them to um, think about um, their life in, in decades. And um, so, you know, say they're 60, you know, not to 10 and so forth. And then I get them to think about for each decade, things that, you know, big milestones that happened, any emerged beliefs that came out of that, um, any friendship values that you, you know, developed, um, bad things that happened, um, uh, just basically anything that happened in, oh, and also what were your hobbies and interests at that time? Uh, and who was really important in your life at that time? So just really sort of pulling it all out. It normally takes, I find it interesting because a lot of people will initially think, oh, that, that looks just too much. But people love to do it once you actually have that finished product where you think, wow, there's my life on a page wow. and all these things. And you start seeing patterns that people um, make. Or sort of, you start seeing patterns over the, the, the whole period of their life and themes that come out. And often they're things that, might have been suppressed. So it might be passions that you had when you were younger. And you know, there's a big gap, I often see this actually, it's a big gap in say 30s to 40s where they haven't even thought about that passion, um, but they might come back to it. And it might be something that's actually been really important. Like something, something I often see is um, a real passion for sport that comes out through that or mm. um, service. Um, uh, you know, and then you've got other things that come out like, um, you know, a, a resilience or lessons that you've learned, um, such as um, I, I need to do things for myself or, you know, just it's, it's a fascinating story and it's a fascinating um, exercise. That, and when you've done it, you look at it and you think, wow, look at my life. And then 
and then it's, things become a lot clearer and it also makes it much easier for you then to draw um, or to write your professional story. Do you find that there are areas that come up for people where they find they are, that are areas that are super important, but are areas that they are not paying attention to, not focusing on. And, and, I'll, and I'll preface that by saying, it's really fascinating talking to business owners and leaders and entrepreneurs because so much of that ethos is about the grind and about being busy and about the hard work and about the long hours and about, and it's, it's really curious in this last year, I feel like more people are having that introspective space of wait, what and who really matters most to me. Mm. And I'm just curious, does that stuff kind of stuff come up when you're, you're sitting down with your folks and they're doing these processes? Yes, it does. And I think what it, what it really highlights to them is if they've gone on, gone off track, um, with what's really sort of true to them. And, and I think that's easy to do, especially as you progress in your career and or your business and you start thinking, you know, um, you sort of get on that, that mouse wheel or mouse, is that what it's called? Mouse wheel. Yeah. And, mouse and, you start, hang on, and, and I think this does have, I do see this happen sometimes when you progress very far in your career and you're either, say you're, in, you're an executive in an organization and all of a sudden you're not actually enjoying your job at all, but the money's great. Hmm. And you, you, and I often hear the one of the ways I can tell is when people talk a lot about a job they've had previously and how much love and passion they had for that. And then I don't see the same discussion reflected about that job that they're in, but the money's great. And then they want the next job. And that is a, a real aha moment for people because I think they, then they sort of think, well, money and, and I think most people do get to that point at some stage where they realize that if they don't love the job the money really doesn't matter at all so that's you, definitely something how do you navigate that piece with them because it's like it seems like we're so we have it kind of shoved in our face so much that this is you know you have to you have to you're going to school to do this to do this like it's almost like if you really step outside of, of higher education you think about it it's it's the promise it's like a small business loan essentially, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay this money for education, especially in the US. I mean, it could be a large business loan for what we're charging with schools now. <laughs> and with the promise that if you go and do this, then you'll have a better job. So you'll make more money and it'll make your life better. So how do you navigate that piece with people when there's so much has been driven about getting to this and what success means? And all of a sudden they're at this point where they're doing what they think they're supposed to do. They're making the money that they've been told that they think they're supposed to make to be successful, only to realize that there's this other piece of life that just is missing for them. Yes. And it's, um, it's funny because I've been through a very similar situation in terms of being in a role where I just was earning a lot of money, but I did not like it at all. And, um, and I think, and so I often, when I'm talking to my clients, it's about how, what's actually what's actually your goal? Like, what do you actually see your life looking like in five years? What, what is that? What kind of job is that? And what really kind of get to explore what are the things that you love doing every day? What gives you energy? Mm. Um, and so understanding that first and then thinking, well, how do you look at your skills and, and, the, and the things that you're actually passionate about? And then look at what the role might be after that. It's because you can find, I, I believe you can find a role that fits for you at any level you know, because you've got that experience and you can keep going. But if you're not interested in, say, office stationery, because that's your, and you're running a big 
you know, operations of a business for that, then there'll be some, but there might be something else that's, that drives you in that. And maybe it's the people, maybe it's um, the industry, maybe it's the type of role and you could find something within your passions um, and just, you know, re realign yourself. Or I mean, I often work with people who want to transition out of an industry mm. um, and into something that, that really drives them, um, like technology is a big one at the moment. I'm curious what comes up for the energy question, because I catch myself sometimes saying, I feel tired, I am tired, but when I really am present, I'll stop and say, am I tired? Do I feel tired or am I just needing energy? And it's interesting because often when I ask the energy question, that inevitably is true because it seems that usually I feel the most tired after, you know, within a short window of after waking up. Yes. And, yes. <laughs> you know, or, or it's just, or it's been, I've been doing something that's really like a high focus thing. And mm -hmm. so my, my brain is just, it's hit that fatigue thing. Yeah. So I'm curious what comes up for your folks when you ask them the energy question. And I think I, I love that you're asking that question because I think that so many of us do suffer through that belief of being tired. Yes. And really what, what we're, what's really going on is there's this absence of energy and what we need is not so much that it's not so much we're tired. It's we need some sort of energy. Yes. I totally, totally agree with that. And I, it was funny before I got on this call with you today, um, I'd woken up and I'd had a, a disruptive night and um, I was thinking oh I'm a bit tired I'm a bit tired but I knew that the minute I got on that the call with you that because I love to talk to people and I love to have great conversations that I would get that energy yeah and uh, and it's the same because I know where my energy comes from and um, I see this with people that I coach is um, where's where does your energy come from and often it's from leading people uh, and if and if that's where the energy comes from then it doesn't you could be working in lots of different fields or you might, your energy might come from um, working through really complex problems. So there's lots of understanding that side of it. Um, what other problems do they? I mean, people can say they get energy from being with their family, obviously, doing sport, leading um, service, stuff like that um, I find are the most common. But definitely I, I find the most common is probably the leadership piece, empowering other people. It's also amazing too how you'll have people who are at the tops of company, heads of game, big leadership positions. And I think that I love these kinds of conversations because it humanizes the title. I think sometimes yes. when we see the title of president, CEO, whatever it is, we, we have, if we're not there, we think, oh my gosh, they're so far removed from me and that that person is something different than me. But when we have these kinds of conversations and we hear these kinds of experiences, wow, like a CEO of a company struggles with feeling tired. Boy, a CEO with a company might be dragging their feet and not necessarily like the work they're doing right now or be wrestling yeah. with, is this really what lights my fire? And I, and I love these kinds of conversations and I so appreciate you having them because for those of us who have aspirations to get there and aren't quite yet there, or those of us who are just on our own, our own respective journeys, it's a reminder that this is a, such a human experience right? It's such a human, human piece of being human in that there is not that much difference between you and them. You know, maybe some behaviors and choices along the way, but it stands to reason that if you shift a few behaviors and make a few new choices, that you yes. can rise to that same opportunity too. Yes, I totally agree with that. And, and one thing that I'm really passionate about is, is um, pushing through things that scare you. And that's made, made massive difference in my life and my business is really finding those things that 
I almost search for them now. It's like a bit of an addiction, but I love, you know, I find what, what's the scariest thing for me right, that I could do right now? <laughs> and, and, and like put it in the diary, right, that's what I'm doing. I don't mean jumping out of a plane, I mean more like, um, and I find that's the, a great way to build your confidence as well. So, yeah, um, yeah those sorts of, and, and people, no matter what level they're at, struggle with confidence. Um, it really, I, I, there's no one I've ever met that, that I, as a client who hasn't, you know, actually in some form or another, at some stage in their career, suffered from, um, you know, a lack of confidence or, you know, just that, where am I going? What's my direction? What's my next step? So I think, um, and, and I think that's to your point before, a lot of people think, oh, CEOs, or they, they never worry about anything. They're, they're you know, they're, they're so, um, you know, um, ironclad with confidence, but it's not always the case. And everybody, I mean, they say 70% of people suffer from imposter syndrome. So it's definitely something that people, you know, do, do struggle with. And that's why I'm a big believer in that. Push yourself out there. Find the things that scare you and just keep going. Do them. Find some more. Do them. <laughs> and yeah. that confidence comes. Uh, on the topic of scaring you, what have you done lately? What's, what is something you've done lately that had scared you that you've done recently? that you've done recently. I know I just kind of said that two different ways, but I think you understand what I'm meaning. This yeah. is what happens when I talk before the thought is formally formed. And what scares you right now that is something that you're working on doing or wanting to do in the near future? Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, about five months ago, I decided that I was going to start doing live webinars and uh, it was the first one I've ever done. And I was so I would terror barrier big time um, and I was so um, I was really nervous I just kept watching the registrations you know I was like 400 and it was from all around the world <laughs> and I was thinking oh my god what am I going to do and I was just so nervous and um, anyway so but I I knew I was going to be nervous on the first one so I thought okay that's fine so I signed up to do four more um, straight away before I could even have before I'd done the first one just so that I sort of had that as I knew by the time I did them I would feel a lot more comfortable uh, so that's probably the most recent thing I've done that's scary and then I've just recently signed up with um, um, I've recently decided the, the most recent one that I'm going to be doing so this is I haven't done this yet is um, I've just working with somebody at the moment to start doing a lot more speaking engagements and I've never been somebody who really loved the stage much, except when I was a kid, of course, and I wanted to be, you know, Madonna. Yep. Um, but, um, but yeah, so that's my next scary thing. Hmm. Stage. I love that. <laughs> I love that. And I appreciate those too, because again, it humanizes the piece of it, right? It's, it's like, gosh, what is the number one fear across all humanity is public speaking. <laughs> And so here's yeah. somebody who's working with these leaders and helping them navigate these pieces and facing that fear of having that thing that you're scared of a public speaking and the video thing too. Gosh, I, I it's something I've heard that over and over. And it's funny because I don't think we ever really appreciate enough the, the vulnerability piece of being on video like that, especially in a live setting where you're able, yeah. there's not a post there's not able to go back and correct it or edit it. And <laughs> when it broadcasts out like that, because this has become such a normalized piece of how we communicate now, yes. oh, I'm just going to zoom, going to FaceTime, whatever it is. It's funny. Somebody asked me if you wanted to FaceTime the other day and I was oh, wait, you mean not zoom. You want to actually FaceTime. This is like a whole nother, but yeah, I, I, I love that. So it's, 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 and so once you did those webinars and you, you had this thing that scared you doing the live webinars, you go through, you do the one, you signed up to do four more right afterwards. 
what changed in you afterwards? Like what was the new experience of how you viewed webinars and life beyond that? Yeah, that was amazing because once I'd done it, once I got through that terror barrier, the next one was easier, the next one was easier. And now I actually get really excited. Really? And that's such a I actually feel completely, you know, I'm like really excited. And then when I don't have one on my, my, um, my diet, you know, my plan for the next few months, I'm like, oh, I have to have one. Sort of just have that knowledge that I've got another one coming. So I think, um, and, and also I also want to, one of the reasons I do all this is because I help people push themselves out there and build their brand. So I feel like I need to go through all of those experiences as well. Um, and, and coming from a PR background, we were always very much in the background and you were never to be the story. Uh, but that's all changed these days. You know, everyone's expected to be out there and building their profile. So that's part of the reason. And I think I, I don't want to tell, um, I don't want to suggest anything to my clients if I haven't actually done it myself and been through those things. And, um, yeah. I'm sure your clients appreciate it more that you've, you've walked through the fire that you're asking them to navigate through themselves. Yes. Yes. I hope so. <laughs> so breaking through to the next level, I'm wondering, has that evolved in the last year? And meaning that, you know, yeah. I think like that next level piece was always kind of this, this thing that we would throw out there and we innately knew what the next level is for us, but going back to this, this introspective pause time that we've had, and some of the folks after they do their life story and they're looking at these pieces that may be out of alignment, do you find that for them, their next level has evolved or is evolving now? Yeah, I do. And I find people, they get a clearer picture. They might've had an inkling or a, um, you know, thought in their mind thinking, Oh, I, I think I want to go and do this. I'm not really sure. But then when their story comes to life and it's, it's a lot more of an aha moment, okay, that is actually the direction I want to go down. And then we sort of build around that. And often those, and I, I encourage my, my clients to get to build up their message banks um, in terms of, you know, what are the messages associated with those particular things that you want to be known for. And when you found your passion, that message bank is really easy to create. Hmm. because it just comes naturally to you. Um, so, yeah, I do. I feel like that next level is about, is about um, aligning your passions and the things that give you energy. And I think more so with, um, you know, going through the whole COVID process, people are now thinking, what is it that, um, that I want from the companies I work for as well? So there's a lot more of a focus on, I want it to be a fair company or I want it to be a company that looks after its people or there's just a definite switch from that or not switch, but shift in that space. That's awesome to hear. I, that's what I feel like too, is it's gotta be something where in the post COVID world, companies are going to value employee wellness, employee mental health, employee yeah. well-being at ways they never have before, because there's just, that's going to be such a present before. And it is interesting, like having this pause about having that, what matters most to me? What does that mean going forward? That's awesome to hear that that is, that's already in the dialogue right now. Yeah, definitely. Yes. It's, it's probably the most thing, the thing I hear the most actually from my clients is I want a company that does this and I want to be this for my people, hmm. which is special. <laughs> the, the, this, I'm curious, what is the, this that they want to be? Uh, empowering a leader, a strong leader that, that brings the best out of people and um, that 
is able to bring themselves and the the company to work rather than just the company when they front up in front of their their people and just bring people along for the ride be the best leader they can be i think the the people i deal with really have a passion for wanting to be the best they can be but that also extends to being bringing the best out of other people i'm curious too so they want to bring the best out of other people what do the people that they lead I'm wondering what they think the, the perception is of the people they lead. Do they looking at them as, oh, they're just a boss doing their job and they're not really seeing that this is somebody who they're deeply passionate about trying to elevate and bring the best out of them? Yeah, I, I think that when you, you are authentic and you're an authentic leader, that people come along for that journey as it is um, and they engage with you because you've actually brought your real self to work and you've brought... Um, and you show your vulnerabilities. And, um, and I think that's when people say, okay, well, um, I see that my leader, it, my, it, it is, it, it's a two totally different people, if you can imagine. If one's just coming to work as a boss, uh, do this, do that, get this done, very transactional. Um, yeah. And then one that actually communicates with you, cares about you, wants to know where you want to go next. It's really engaged in your plan, um, you know, your career plan. Um, so I think there's a lot more of awareness. I mean, look, don't get me wrong, I still hear about terrible bosses. <laughs> there are definitely some terrible bosses out there um, and some terrible things. And I think having the, 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 there are some fallouts from COVID, particularly around people who are looking for roles. You know, there's people, there's a lot more people in the market. And so therefore you've got some bad leadership around people not getting back to people who are applying for jobs or um, being told things that, you know, ageism even. There's, there's some real sort of um, discrimination. It's a lot of issues that have come from it, but there's also a lot of um, benefits around the people who actually are good at what they do and wanting to become even better leaders and yeah, bringing that. I think because we've all worked from home for so long, people yeah. sort of see that dimension now in other in their teams' lives as well, and they want them to understand that they 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 understand it as well. I, it's funny you mentioned ageism. I was on a mastermind call last night, and that came up in the call about. Really? experiencing it and having this, you know, feeling still so young and childlike inside, but recognizing the body and the brain are quite operating in the way they used to. And it, it is, it's one of those things that seems like we try to sweep under the rug sometime or we don't want to confront it. And it's the elephant in the room. It's, yes. It, and it sits over there with, with grief, with mm. sadness, with all those other things that are kind of out of the wheelhouse of what we think is acceptable or, or, or what's uncomfortable for us to try to deal with in the moment. Yes. And it is, it's such an important piece to address, right? Because it's like, I often wonder like, how are we supposed to get the best out of our people if we're not helping our people feel the best about themselves? Yes. Yes. Right? Totally agree. And if there's this piece going on with that and we're kind of like, again, sweeping, sweeping, sweeping under the rug, it's, I was telling somebody the other day, you know, what happens when the wind blows after you sweep a bunch under the rug, you have dirt everywhere. Right. <laughs> and it's, and, like it and it just, and it doesn't take much to have the dirt, the wind come blowing through and bringing these things up. And so it's, I, I don't know if you ever get into that with your clients about how do they engage in these difficult conversations with the people they work with around sensitive topics like that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think they, I think it is a difficult and sensitive topic. And I think that um, what I see the most is ageism from recruiters um, at times. So mm. um, people have a role and, you know, I mean, I didn't even know this, but that, um, 
until I started doing a bit more research around ageism because I find it a fascinating topic because we're all going to, we're all ageing and no one's going to stay at, you know, uh, unfortunately for us, no one's going to stay at 20. But, um, but you, um, but people, there was a stat yesterday that I read that one of the ways recruiters discriminate against people looking for a role around ageism is if they've got an AOL hot, uh, or Hotmail email address. <laughs> I was like, what? Okay, right. <laughs> oh my god! I still use a Hotmail email address. <laughs> oh no! We don't go for a roll and put it on there. Will you on your resume? <laughs> oh shoot! So that shows your age, apparently, and you know you only have to be over forty to be able to, to um, potentially suffer from ageism. Uh, so there's some it's fascinating, um, and you know recruiters have different ways of writing uh, ads targeting. You know, younger people without um, uh, there's all these little hidden things that people can say um, and recruiters can say about how to iron people out who aren't the right age for them and their roles. So there's definitely um, it's definitely a big issue. Sarah, we're coming up on our time, and before I ask my final question, where's the best place for people to find and connect with you online? Sure, I'm I'm at, on, I'm on I'm on LinkedIn, Sarah Macris, um, also on Instagram at Sarah Macris Australia and um, my website, um, which is sarahmacris.com.au. Perfect. So I'd love to connect with anyone. Awesome. We'll make sure all that's in the notes and everything. And Sarah, you had mentioned a moment ago about uh, being an authentic leader. And I find that there's a lot of folks who I will engage with and are reaching out about becoming authentic leaders, wanting to be a more authentic leader. I'm curious with you, for you, if you wouldn't mind sharing just one or two traits, characteristics that you see these leaders exemplify who are really acting as authentic leaders. Yeah. Uh, so one is cr critical is communication, being a good communicator. And um, the other one is, and this comes to good communicating as well, but, and trust, obviously. People have to know that they can trust you. Trust is such a critical part. And they trust, they learn to trust you through lots of different interactions. And so that's about, you know, being true to your word, being a good communicator, caring about them. Uh, so, so those two are very important. But just on the um, one tip from the, from that I see with um, some people is often if you have conversations with people and no matter how busy you are when you're a leader, it's important to not just be the transactional leader. You know, I need this done, I need that done. But always taking that time to understand where someone's coming from that day you know how was your day how was your weekend tell me a little bit about it it takes five you know five minutes but it it's, it has a massive impact roi massive compared to can you get this done and there's nothing that comes back mm, i love that boy everybody are you going to want to rewatch and re-listen we did a fun and journey today with sarah we started about reminding us all that melbourne is covid free as of this recording so there's hope out there stay the course continue to push forward, there is, there's light at the end of the tunnel. And we talked about what it was like to be back to hugging and being able to be present with one another again and engaging those small human interactions that maybe we once took for granted, but now that we're coming back out of this time, the things that we, we value most, getting away from the awkwardness of the junior high school dancing and getting back to the human connection and ability to show affection that we all love and appreciate. To going into really what has leadership and how has leadership has changed and evolved and how is it evolving? Looking at our life stories and what is what do we discover when we write our stories down on paper and what do we find? What passions are we suppressing? 
what kind of leaders do we want to become and what does authentic leadership look like and how can we communicate better and build trust more with our people. Sarah, this has been such an incredible story and journey to be beyond with you today. Thank you so very much for sharing so generously and thank you for starting your day with us. I know it's early over in Australia right now and just deeply appreciate you being here. Thank you. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Absolutely. We will see you next time, everybody, on another edition of A Handful of Hope. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you're finding value in these conversations, please rate and review on Apple, Google, Stitcher, or wherever your favorite place is to listen to